This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse. Comic Book Click is on Patreon, guys. For as little as $0.10 cents a day or $3 a month, not only can you help keep the lights on here at Comic Book Click headquarters, but your donation gives you access to exclusive content like CBC commentaries, polls where you can choose what content we cover next, and special behind-the-scenes footage of things here at Comic Book Click. Visit Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse today and become a Patreon. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. everybody out there in comic book land my name is george serrano aka the don and if you're listening to this you can only be here for one reason and it's a brand new episode of the major issues podcast brought to you by comicbookclick.com and as always i am never alone sir can you please introduce yourself i am dan the comic book man and i'm the right one this time yeah you come back from your uh dip from your original uh foray last week to do just a little bit of lamenting to do yeah, some would say that's a waste of time, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to celebrate, bro. It 55 years of uh, uh, an anniversary of sorts of all things to cover this week on the Major Issues podcast with all of the uh, hubbub being brought about the Batman in the Flash and whether Spider-Man are going to come out of multiversal uh, madness and all that. We decided to cover something a little softer, something a little more camp, if you will. We're celebrating the 55-year anniversary of the release of Batman the movie, the 1966 version, basically a long version of the <laughs> Adam West Batman TV show. Uh, at least that's how, what it felt like. But yeah, it's, it's like an, an adaptation in a sense. Like you, yeah, you like Pokemon the movie. Episodes. Yeah, it's like a Pokemon <laughs> the movie of the sorts. Yeah, 100%. Um, now, prior to this, assignment if you will than the comic book man what did you know about the adam west batman what was your background with uh, this character or just that universe in general i guess it's it's so deepened inside pop culture that there's no way even if you didn't watch one episode there's no way you know nothing of that holy gee willikers batman you know uh stuff like the questions um slangs like that or yeah. you know how a joker is like Ooh, hee, hee, ooh. like you know there's there's just so much there like watching fairly odd parents for example you know timmy turner was very much so uh into the adam west batman in a sense like they even brought in voice actor adam west like the uh yeah. a fictional version of himself same thing for family guy adam west played a fictional version of himself in family guy as the mayor yeah and he was kind of talking in his batman uh, voice, I guess, if you will, the weird stilted dialogue, very Jeff Goldblum esque. <laughs> I guess he he predates <laughs> Mr. Goldblum with the stunted dialogue, but um, yeah, I would say the same. I knew about the like the pow zip and zap kind of like punches and stuff uh, when they did fight scenes. Um, I was aware of the outfit. I've seen the outfit. I've seen the bat tootsie scene of Batman kind of you know grooving down. All that stuff, um, you know, all the stuff filmed in the back lot with them running or them in a vehicle I've seen before. And like you said, it's been parodied over and over and over again to the point that I wondered in watching this if it would just feel like one big nostalgia parody thing. But 
actually, I think this is like the best version of that, right? Like, because, because yeah. this is the one that got aped the most, um, it just reminds you that this, this was the, the well, start of this. True. At this point in time, you had George Reeves, black and white Superman, but that was much more of a grounded, you yeah. know, yeah. 60s type drama. Like, like they had, they had their fair share of like campiness, but they really tried their hardest on that. Like if you've seen Hollywood land, they really tried hard to make a, a, a very authentic Superman show in that time. So really this was all we had for camp. This yeah. is camp. This was the birth of campy. Not only is this the birth of campy, it's, it, it's the hall of famer. It's, it's the, the, the man like, yeah. And I was watching this and there was so many artistic choices that I couldn't help, but just love. Like you can understand its place in certain people's hearts like I know people that this is like their favorite superhero movie, right? Like, and then, you know, grown men obviously in like their fifties and sixties, but this is their favorite like superhero movie, their favorite superhero, their favorite version, and you can see that they really tried to like do something cool here. Yeah, it, it definitely deserves its own place in the Batman mythos, and it you know it would go on to change things in comics. Um, the, this version of Batman and Robin would make a return later on in animation years after the show, um, was over, but yeah, the, yeah, the main idea though, it is this film, this 1996, oh, sorry, 1966, uh, film Batman, the movie based on the Batman television series. Uh, it's actually the first full length theatrical adaptation of, a, See, of Batman. I don't know if I agree with that. Because there, the was an act, there was an actual, like, what, like a three to six hour serialized theater release of Batman in like the, the 40s. It was black and white. But it would it be by called, chapters, right? Like it would be serialized. It would be like binging a show. Yes. In, like in a theater the versus. And you watch one and a half hours of this and you got to go back. Or a season of, right, 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 right. So yeah. usually those serials like are cut just under the amount of time that would make them a feature film. Like I heard like, uh, ben, yes, like yes, Dumbo, yes, yes. Dumbo just barely made it at the line <laughs> of feature film. And I think that movie is like 70 minutes long or something. It's like 78 minutes. It's like an hour. Right. Eight minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So it might have 70 minutes. Like that's probably, cause that's an hour, 10 minutes. So you're at like just the cusp of. Yeah. Each okay. So this, I guess feature length wise, but I wouldn't go, I wouldn't say this is the first theatrical release. No full length. Cause if you could go to the theaters, if, 20 years prior and see of take on Batman. This definitely wasn't the first theatrical, I guess, feature length. Sure. Yeah. Full length. Uh, as the least, that's how they designated it here. Um, it was released by 20th century Fox and the film starred Adam West as Batman, as we spoke about Burt Ward as Robin. Um, and it hit theaters two months after the last episode of the first season of the TV show. And oh, actually pretty, that's, that's actually pretty cool. These people got what we get. Yeah. Because we're going to watch, we just watched WandaVision and Loki, and then we're going to get Multiverse of Madness and Spider-Man 3. So it's like, damn. Yeah. yeah. They get what, they got what we get now. Wasn't Pokemon the first movie after the first season of Pokemon? Yes, it was. Yes, yeah. it was. Because the so ending makes, of the league was like December of 99. Yeah, so it definitely makes sense. Um, it Yeah, so it hit theaters two months after the last episode of the first season of the TV series and includes most of the members of the original TV cast, with the exception of Julie Newmar, who played Catwoman in two episodes of the season. Um, in the movie, she's replaced by Lee Merriweather. So Who's, that sorry. is Miss Merriweather. A lot hotter. 
If I think so too. I didn't want to be gross. I have, yeah, this is, I this, is my, this is the first time I've I've been able to experience an uh, an established character that is established for me for the first time all over again because I've never seen Leanne Merriweather. I've never seen her take on Catwoman. In fact, if I was to be real honest, if uh, I thought they were the same actress, so when I'm reading the wiki and I see that uh, Leanne Merriweather is replacing Julie Newmar, I'm like, oh. Oh, let's 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 see what this is about. And then she comes in as the Russian socialite Kit Kat. <laughs> Kit Kat. Right. Like I was always wondering because I had heard about uh, Julie Newmar playing Catwoman. I heard about um, Lee Merriweather. I also heard about Eartha Kit. And I guess, um, you know, they're, they're, because of several scheduling conflicts and things like that, these actresses were switched out. Um, the Julie Newmar thing we'll talk about in a bit about how or oh, what seemingly was the issue with that. But um, for a little bit more of the background, it had a budget of 1.3, 1 million and uh, 0.37, sorry, 1.37 million, sorry. And one, between 1.37 million and one and a half million. And it grossed 3.9 million in theatrical sales and rentals. So like barely, it like just broke even because they did a lot of promotional stuff. And as you've heard before, uh, some of this math is usually double. Like it's, um, oh yeah, the, to Let break me- even at the box office, they have to do double the budget seemingly because of promotional and all the other expenses that it takes to make a movie and well, premiere it around the world. Those, that's why you get those like, um, not full-on estimations of like 10 to 25 million and you have to put it in your head like that 10 million was probably its budget and like the other 15 million was definitely commercials merchandising television spots yeah 100 ads yeah but at least um, it made its money back of course and this is this show took place at a very weird time in comics we had just gotten hit with the comics court authority uh, people were saying that comics were rotting kids' minds with sadistic, violent, and homosexual content. Uh, it was very weird at the time. So Batman basically got defanged. Um, this is when you get a very kind of kind of what you think about when you think of the Adam West Batman, like the weird villains, the weird themed villains with weird themed gadgets. Um, if you remember, like the very famous cover of Batman in like different rainbow outfits, like those were his adventures in like the '60s because. They couldn't like mention murder. They couldn't. Uh, he couldn't kill I villains. I've never heard about the what the, the comics code, the CCA. I remember yeah. the first time I heard about because it, it was me looking up um the history behind Joker. Yeah. And how does someone like the Joker go become who he is today in 2021? When my great when my grandfather was reading him, literally slap Batman with a fish. Yeah. Yeah. Like how does. How does one go to the other? How do you yeah. go from slapping Batman with a fish to literally gunning down a woman and her child on Christmas? I think it's an interesting evolution. And I do think that this has a lot to do with that. Right. So like in the early 1960s, Ed Graham Productions optioned the television rights to the comic book Batman and placed a straightforward juvenile and planned to do a straightforward juvenile adventure show, much like the adventures of Superman or the Lone Ranger. Uh, East Coast ABC conce- uh, executive Yale Udolph, a Batman fan in his childhood, contacted ABC executives Harv Bennett and Edgar J. Sherrick, who are already considering developing a television series based on a uh, comic strip action hero. And they wanted to do a primetime Batman series that was kind of like the man from Uncle. So they kind of wanted like Bond. <laughs> they kind of wanted like. Consi- I'm sorry, but that's 
that's three different inconsistent tones. Yeah, I mean, you're you're talking um a studio, Western, right? <laughs> uh, Western, British crime, and superhero show. Right. That's like right. three conflicting tones in one. No wonder why this show came out the way it did. But I guess like the thing from the Western would be like the main the main character kind of running things against evil, and then you have a little bit of um the the bond gadgets and the secret identity stuff with batman and the and the all his bat gadgets or whatever but yeah seemingly all these kind of crazy concepts they try to put all together um what if i pitched you that kind of show it's like george i i have an idea for a show it's like it's like the lone ranger meets man from uncle with a little (laughs) bit of the flash and james bond in there yeah (laughs) and throw some yeah let's throw some james Bond. let's give the man a cue Let's give him a cue, some gadgets. Well, a that's, nice Ferrari. that's what's funny because, you know, once they decided this was going to happen, even though like we just mentioned, it's not a full concept. It's just a bunch of let's try something like this. Uh, they were getting their butts kicked. Um, CBS and I believe NBC were killing them in the ratings with shows like Monsters, Adam's Family, stuff like that. So they were looking for their family. Well, you couldn't beat black and white TV sitcoms in the 60s to 80s. TV yeah. sitcoms ran TV. So they're trying to find their version of that. And they give this hodgepodge of an idea to uh, William Dozier and his production company, Greenway Productions. So they're expecting a hip and fun, serious adventure show like we were just talking. But Dozier had never read comics before. And after he read them, he was like, what the hell was I, am I supposed to do with this? Like, this, none of this makes sense. None of this is good. So the only oh, way God, to make I guess William Dozier's like, uh, spirit went through Brian Singer for X-Men then. Yep. Uh, and so he basically is like, the only way to salvage this, the only way to make a show out of what you gave me is to make it kind of campy comedy. And so like Catwoman, Julie Newmar had described the whole vibe of the show. Like, uh, the secret of it was playing it very straight. The comment from the head producer was always straight, straight, straight. Don't play it for laughs because the straighter you play it, the more ridiculous it really is. And I think you get that. Yeah, yeah, and I think you get that. I think that comes off in this in the series as well. Um, originally, I'm glad you told me that bit of trivia because that honestly makes me respect it more. Because, like, like we said, you have to be some sort of genius to do something on purpose to be bad. Yeah, you watch this film, and I'm pretty sure you watch the series. And I'm talking as somebody who is, you know, in living in the year of our Lord 2021, um, and you don't really know how much of it, how much of the comedy is planned. Like, if you don't go behind the scenes and stuff like that, you don't know how much of it is just corny comedy on the sake of that. Those were the days. Those were the times of that kind of comedy. But a lot of it, like we said, is this like playing it straight. Um, somebody else had, had said, like, the best way to describe camp is everything that is grave, they treat frivol- frivolously. And everything that's frivolous, they treat like the gravest which, which in <laughs> thing a sense of all time. would be the birth of parody and satire. You really yeah. think of it. Yeah, I don't for the satire on war. Right. You know, I just don't think I just don't think the world as a whole had a big enough concept of who Batman was to understand that this was a parody. Uh, to the point that there were a great amount of comic right, book readers who didn't like this version because they were like, this is the version that's getting introduced to people. This is not our Batman. This is not the Batman that I read. It's also kind of funny if you really think of it. It's like, you know, how what kind for 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 what? 15, 20 years, what kind of Batman stories do you truly have that this version is, is the worst version of Batman? Like, this is our Batman. What were you really, what stories were you really reading in 1950 that something yeah. like Batman holding a bomb over his head seems 
out of the realms of possibility. So no, I, tor- I totally get honest, it. Man. I feel like this is this was the original intended Batman post uh, finger having to leave and everything, and Kane only taking over. Like I felt like this was Bob Kane's intentions for Batman. I could definitely at least say that it was the bet. It was the 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 most potent version of the hero you can do with all the restraints of the comics code authority. Uh, with, with all of that coming in, I mean, before then he was hanging people, he was shooting people. Batman was doing a whole bunch of stuff, and maybe that's the Batman that certain people gravitated towards. Um, l- like you, I, you know, only really remember the stories that would come out of the seventies, the eighties, and and you know, so on. But I'm assuming that there were some people, just like any holdouts, right? If they were to make a what is it, a Kyle X Y, if they would make a Kyle X Y right. movie, right? And they took out everything that you dug about it, but made it more palatable for new people to come in. You would be like, well, why did they ruin this? And other people would be like, well, no one really cared about it in the first place. So why do you care? Yeah. Right. So that's the argument that people were having here. They're like, that's not Batman. What are you doing with it? Um, well, so- I don't think Batman should be using guns. And I've seen some panels of Batman firing guns from like the 50s and. They had a spy novelist, Eric Ambler, who was supposed to script the TV, a TV movie that would eventually launch the series. But he dropped out after learning how campy everything was going to be. He was like, I don't want to do any of this. Everybody wanted to be a respectable artist in the 60s, apparently. Why is yeah. it not now? Even Stan Lee, like I said, famously, Stan Lee changed his name from Stanley Lieber to Stan Lee because he thought he was going to eventually write the great American novel and didn't want to dirty Stanley Lieber's name by being on comic books. So he created Stan Lee to be his like pen name, his stage name in, co- in the comic book world, always intending to eventually use Stanley Lieber to write real things. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is what this is what that world was dealing with at the time. Oh, Stan Lee, you mean that guy that, that created the Fantastic Four? Yeah, sure. Let's read his book. Yeah. I feel, I feel where his mindset his was. His novel, yeah. Um, so eventually came down to two screen, two sets of screen tests that were filmed. One with Adam West and Burt Ward and the other with Lyle Wag- Wagner and Peter Dale. Uh, but eventually Adam West and Burt Ward would, would win the roles. What I learned that was kind of interesting is the show was originally filmed as one hour episodes, right? Um, but like when they first premiered the show, it had terrible ratings. So like in a weird marketing, they decided to take the one hour episodes, split them into half an hour blocks, put them on opposite nights, and then uh, they would create a cliffhanger by splitting the episode in half. Wow. And so These people they had it down for a campy show like this. These people had some real creative eyes they were looking for that money and so like that iconic cliffhanger ending where it's like will our heroes do this they're literally just stopping the episode halfway through you know showing the villain maniacally laughing and then just the next episode you come around (laughs) yeah so they would they would ask if batman and robin would escape and then they would direct fans to return at the same bat time same bat time god is that the inspiration for dragon ball z i mean probably (laughs) <laughs> I think that's the inspiration for Dragon Ball Z. Probably. Uh, and like you were talking about, like they, they were really trying to corner the market with this, really trying to find out how much they can squeeze out of it. At their height, this Batman series, uh, you know, swept across America. And like when, when especially when the series, the series came out, it became a licensing phenomenon, everything. And you've seen some of this stuff, right? Like lunchboxes, Pez dispensers, toothbrushes, shampoo uh, bottles, compasses, uh, uh, pens, pencils, toys, Batmobiles. Yep. 
Um, and so Batmobile is probably one of the most highest sold toy in human history. I think more people have bought or owned a Batmobile than they have toothbrushes. Right. No, I believe that. And the thing is, uh, reportedly around this time when the series came out, um, Batman would go on to generate over seventy million dollars in merchandise sales. Jesus Christ! Seventy million and again. 70 million show, this film was made for one point five million. This movie, this entire film was made. Everyone was paid. All the vehicles, stunts were done for one point five million. They made seventy million in the three year run of uh, of this film of this show. So you know that that little one point whatever million that they made back is not even it's it's pennies in the grand scheme of things. That's all it is. That's all it is. The meat and potatoes of this whole thing. One point five million. Yeah. What? No, I'm saying the meat and potatoes of this thing is the is the cast. They're the ones that elevate everything. So let's get into them. Oh, especially the cast of villains is way better than the cast of heroes. If I'm gonna be real honest. Well, they, let's, they really... let's start with our heroes though. Let's start off with the man, the myth, the legend, Adam West as Bruce Wayne, Batman. Um, we find out that William Dozier cast West as Bruce Wayne after um, and his alter ego, Batman, because he had saw him in perform in a Nestle quick commercial. And in there, he was like a, a like a James Bond kind of spy. And so he saw the commercial and was like, yeah, that's that's the guy I want. Oh, my God. Yep. Um, and Burt Ward, formerly known from formerly known as Burt Jervis, would come on Jervis. to play the played Dick Grayson. He was 19 years old when he auditioned for the role. And um, he started to think like, maybe people won't be able to pronounce this Jervis. So he changed his name to uh, Ward, his last name, his stage name to Ward, his mother's maiden name. And he uh, changed the spelling of Bert. It was originally B-E-R-T to B-U-R-T. His name it, was Bert Jervis. Bert Jervis. That when was I was Bert Jervis. Yeah. And uh, unlike Adam West, he kind of had to perform his own stunts. <laughs> he was told uh, this was because his costume revealed more of his face. So they couldn't put a stunt double in. That's what they told him. Later on, he discovered that he was uh, getting paid minimum wage. So <laughs> it was like a Screen Actors Guild loophole about paying stunt doubles. For the Screen Actors Guild and all that shit. Yeah, yeah. So they were doing like a loophole by letting him do his own stunts uh, as like a cost saving method. And he eventually would go on to see the emergency room dozens of times during his time as Robin. <laughs> I mean, this dude was 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 had to grapple hook up buildings and stuff like. Yeah, um, the uh, so you know one of his trusted um, catchphrases is "Holy blank Batman!" Right, says it a bunch of times in this film, a bunch of times in the series. Uh, the final tally of every time he's uttered it is three hundred and fifty-two over one hundred and twenty episodes. What that that literally that's that's like double three every times. Episode. Three yeah, times like, an episode, almost, yeah. Because that would be that three times would be three sixty, and it was three fifty two. So there was a couple of episodes where he held some restraint, but for the most part, it was three times an episode. My God! But this is our dynamic duo, bro. You see them for an hour and plus on this film. What do you think? What do you think about them working together? What do you think of Adam West and what do you think of their outfits? What do you think of their crime fighting style? Right, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be straight up honest with you, Adam West. I didn't because all I've ever seen of Adam West was either when he was really old or cartoons. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think I've ever seen Adam West in like his 30s. Mm-hmm. My man is tanned. Yeah. He is tanned as hell. Yeah. My I'm man's uh, his, he's Hollywood. Out. Yeah. But yo, what did you just come out of a tanning booth? And then with him in the cow, the way his jaw is like bulgy under that cow. He looks like George Clooney to me. 
<laughs> I see, I see, every time I see at the bottom of his face, my brain just goes to George Clooney's face. I'm like, wow, Clooney looks the most like you. Yeah. And I, I do love that they had a lot more chemistry, it seemed, than Clooney and Chris O'Dowell, or even Kilmer and Chris O'Donnell. Yeah. Like, yeah. like these two actually had some real cool chemistry. Like, you buy that they're friends, but they are family. Like, he looks out, like, you can see, like, the not so much of this is my son, but this is my, this is my little buddy. Like, you know, like, I watch out for him. Yeah. I absolutely love how grave he makes everything seem. How 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 serious he is about some of the most ridiculous things like Adam West, like the straight face. I couldn't do it. Some of the lines that he says, I, I I'm standing there I'm like, what are you talking about? Like when they're deducing the riddles and stuff. Oh my god! Uh, Wait, none of it makes yeah, sense. C C C for Catwoman. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's the not a clue. Pull, the shark was pulling my leg. <laughs> yeah, Joker. like a joke, Joker, and I'm saying they're like. This is ridiculous. It's hilarious. It's so hilarious because it happens. They're right. Like in the in the universe of the show, they're hundred percent right. Like they're get they're they're figuring out these clues, but just the ridiculous nature. No, but what was killing all. me about that scene was it was literally a close up. It it was holding on that shot. There was no cut. There was no movement of the camera. It was holding on that shot, close up to like the shoulders, and mm. they're just going through every single one. Oh, when there's fish there's penguin oh yeah. but it happened at sea see like why what are we doing here world's greatest detective bro world's, world's greatest, detective. greatest detective um rumors started to come out that bert might have gotten a little bit too big for his britches during the time of the show because he was not a veteran actor so he was starting to feel himself a little bit to uh the, to the, the, the point syndrome. yeah to the point that uh veteran actor vincent price uh, who was asked oh. to be on the show as Eggman, I want to say, is his name. Um, there was a scene in which he was supposed to throw like a handful of eggs at Robin and the production crew gave him like two dozen rotten eggs and were like, yeah, just go ahead and uh, use them all. And he's like, what, you guys don't like Burt Ward? And they're like, oh, no, we like Burt just fine. Burt just likes himself way more than any of us like him. <laughs> I'm not here to slander Burt Ward. I wish I was in that role. 19 Batmania, 70 million dollars in merchandise. Yeah. I don't know what I don't no, know what I would have done. I'm 19 years old and there's literally like girls my age walking around with my face on their book bag. Like, are you crazy? And could you imagine that dichotomy, right? You almost have a like this 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 actor, actor in Adam West, who kind of is probably looking at this property like, I hope this makes money so I can go and do better things. And then you have Burt Ward, who's like, I'm just happy that I have this. You know what I'm saying? I'm happy that I have this and I'm the king of this. That's and- really all you ever need. This, like 55 years later, and it's still iconic. But one would argue that because of something this iconic, then the characters, the actors themselves would go on to be typecast and then not be able to eclipse this phenomenon. And some, uh, for some one, actors, that sucks. one of those people... If you're one of those people that truly want to do all forms of acting, like, you know, oh, I want to do comedy and horror and, you know, uh, superhero movies, then I get it. Being typecasted sucks. But like for someone like me, if I come in and I crush it in the horror movie world, that's all I'm going to do. Because like, yeah. what else do I have to do? No matter what, one, I'm going to get a job. I'm probably going to get top billing. So which means I'm going to get paid. Yeah, like 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 um, Mike Flanagan never has to make a single comedy. 
not one romance, not a cartoon, because no matter what, they're still going to going to hire him to make horror. Yeah. So even if he is a typecasted filmmaker, the man's always getting he has two shows coming out right now. Two but I feel like filmmakers have more of an opportunity, right? Because so long as they are able to present a way that they're going to make money, studios, I don't really think care. But actors, like you heard about certain actors, actresses that would end up doing horror films, getting typecasted as scream queens, right? That's the reason why they coined that That's term. A, yep, the scream queen. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, yeah, like you were saying, and, and um, you, you can end up getting, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis, you can end up getting stuck in these, in these, uh, Rotations. Now, to take a, a little bit of a tangent, uh, I was watching a conversation between um, two veteran wrestlers, Stone Cold Steve Austin and McFoley, and they were talking about the Hell in a Cell match with The Undertaker. And McFoley was talking about how he used to be annoyed that that was the only match that anyone ever asked of him, like asked him about. He's like, I've done so much and I continue to do so much, and it always ends up being about that. But he ended up having a moment of clarity in realizing that that match would go on to live longer than him and Undertaker ever will. And in that solace, he did accomplish what he initially wanted to do, which was create a moment that was going to stay with people the same way he saw Jimmy Snooker jumping off the cage and it stood with him. So I think that eventually, especially as uh, fans started to ironically or unironically embrace this series, like in this era, I think eventually the stars would go on to re-embrace those roles. But I could see how initially 70s, 80s, you're like, trying to wash it off of you when you're trying to but, I mean also in in those times you really didn't have much like unless you were in like you know in with Paramount and in with yeah. Universal if you were like a relatively unknown or new actor TV is where you're going to be yeah until you eventually retire and most people never see the silver screen right most actors and actresses of those days only stood to TV look Julie Newmar wasn't even in the Batman theatrical. Right. And well, it was, heard, rumor heard. has it, she was, oh, we can talk about that now. So let's talk about Lee Merriweather as the Catwoman. So like we said, Julie Newmar up until this point played Catwoman, but she had other commitments at the time and was replaced by Lee Merriweather. Um, according to a bunch of different sources, she was going to be in like this parody of a French novel. Um, and it eventually did not end up getting finished. So she got booked for this. Couldn't do Batman, then didn't do the other film <laughs> anyway. Um, turn, but according to her like biography special, Catwoman, Her Many Lives, Numar was unable to reprise her role because of a back injury. But yeah, uh, she just scheduling and trying to do this other film and then this stuff. But we do get Lee Merriweather as Catwoman. I think she does fantastic. I think she does a great job in the, in the role. I like that she's constantly purring. Like everyone is just turned up to 20 in this. Oh yeah, she's always a she always has like a black cat around her. She's always meowing and purring. <laughs> she one has funniest, fixed, she has fixed uh uh claws on her gloves. One of the funniest scenes was when we finally get the introduction in the beginning of all four of our our main villains. She's holding up like a small black cat, and she's like, "Eat them, eat them!" Yeah, yeah. Throws the cat, and they're all in the corner. You have Penguin, Joker, and Riddler in the corner, like, "Oh, get that cat away from me!" Yeah, three, three, three seemingly maniac murderers, uh, all afraid of this black cat. But they cause bad luck, and who knows? Maybe the, the cat's bad luck is what caused these villains the to fail. I think that's just the white cat's propaganda towards the black cat. I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, Jim Cat rules and all that stuff. But, <laughs> but uh, what did you think of Catwoman's 
like throughout the history of this character being portrayed there's always been like a sultry nature of this character a seduction of um you know batman if you will what do you think of the whole like catwoman batman plot in this where she's like just seducing him to the point of capture no it is it's it's literally chef's kiss when when there's a scene where where they're trying to kidnap Bruce Wayne just to use Bruce. They don't know he's Batman. Yeah. So Kitakata is, is on that date and they're literally sitting in the classic dining area with the, with the table and they're sitting across from each other. Um, and then they're on the couch doing this seductive talk. Like, oh man. And, and Adam that West knows crazy. how to turn it on, right? Adam West knows how to turn on that, that he, James he, Bond. He speaks like this and he's very... Well, you know, Catwoman. What have you done with a gorgeous Kit Kat? I'll kill you. I'll I'll kill you. I was like, man, he's going hard. Um, (laughs) We got it. So, you know, we we, there was a whole bunch of hubbub about Henry Cavill in the Justice League and his mustache and not being able to take it off for the sake of that film. But even before that happened, we had our man Cesar Romero refuse to shave his mustache. And so they would just plop a bunch of that white face paint right over it. And he but would become the Joker. More on the lip than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And he would end up becoming the Joker. What do you think of him as the Joker? Honestly, better than Jared Leto. That hair is ridiculous. I realized that they're basically just like picking it up and pressing it to like make it like a mane, like, like a lion's mane. Hairline. I yeah. I mean, the guy that was a veteran actor, he said he had a blast doing this. He said because oh, I no, guess that's the one thing I know is uh, from my entire life is that uh, Cesar Romero loved, loved, loved every second he got to play the Joker, and that you know how I feel about that. If you're loving a role, I will never take that away from you. And that's why I will never take Drax away from Batista. If you're truly like if you're enjoying yourself and you're having fun and every day you're going home with a smile on your face or when you wake up in the morning, you're like, yes, I get to be Drax again. Or I get to be Joker again. I'll never take that enjoyment away from you, no matter if I don't like it or not. But and anyway, I, I like him. Like, I, I like him. I like his little suit. I like his little heing hang. I like that he plays everything so big. His eyes widen, you know, that smile, the laugh, the, the he brings in the, the tea for the captain that he's like kidnapping. I'm like, yo, what's some tea? Like, I, I think my favorite part of the villains was whenever they fought each other, whenever they would argue with each other and be like, you idiot. That wasn't gonna work. Now, what are we supposed to do? I really, really dug that. And I guess maybe that's why people for years have tried to shove as many villains as possible. If you look at actual superhero movie to do it, if you look at the first, the next three entries into the Batman film, uh, you know, lexicon, they would go on to use all four of these villains in this film because Catwoman and Penguin together were in two jokers in one and Riddler's in three. So, So it's Joker, Penguin, Catwoman, Riddler. Yeah, within within I would that's five years of the Burton of fucking uh, uh what's his name Schumacher Batman's yeah, and now you know you can now that I've seen Frank Gorshin as the Riddler I could I almost kind of get Jim Carrey's Riddler a little bit more what no no one hundred percent I I that was straight understandable what the dude had a had the the question mark suit yeah 
not not the spandex one. I'm talking about when he's regular. He's got this yeah. question mark blazer. The fancy, the fancy one, the fancy attire, the away attire. I'm I'm dead at this way. He's just he's like expressionative. He's very much in your face with it. Giddy, giddy at times about very doing a, about doing a, a a riddle or something, uh, which I thought was funny. So. Oh, what does everybody have? What do you have that everybody uses that you don't use? And he's just the worry. He's he's so excited to to say these riddles. Yeah, he loved it. So he he's the one who decided to put like a high pitched deranged kind of cackle. He says he's inspired by Tommy Udo in Kiss of Death. I've never seen that. That makes sense. Um, he played the Riddler in ten episodes of the series as well as the theatrical movie, um, but. This actor named John Aston made two appearances in 1967 in the role when he was unavailable. So Gorshin got tight and said, "You know what? I'm not coming back." But then, <laughs> but then he agreed to come back in the third season when they made like a whole a whole episode around him. Um, so I thought that was that was pretty interesting. There, we have Burgess Meredith as the Penguin. A lot of wah 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 uh, you know, ship from that eventually return in Batman Returns, <laughs> the, the bird themed nautical ship, which I think is interesting. Yeah, well, we just needed this dude Burgess to just say, I'm not a human being, yeah, I am an I'm animal. An animal. <laughs> <laughs> they loved him though, they loved Bur- Burgess Meredith. Uh, it was so well received his, his version of that of the penguin that they always had a script ready whenever he was available to shoot. If, if anything, it I would sit here and say straight up right now, not just the Batman show, but if these specific four villains were never chosen yeah, and, and these actors and actresses didn't actually bring a level of joy and giddiness to the role, I don't think they will ever have been as big as they are now because these are technically four of the biggest Batman villains in history. Like you could throw Two-Face in there to make a top five, yeah. but... But well, Two Face, I think, was supposed to be in this film as well. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, that would have been, been a little bit too much. Yeah, I, I think five villains going against you know, one superhero is a little bit too much. But no, like it's so crazy how like Catwoman, Penguin, and Joker, Riddler, those are like the Batman villains, the, the ones that come off the top of your head the most whenever you're thinking of Batman villains. It's always yeah. Joker, Catwoman, Riddler. It's now that now like I think about it, although there probably will be a post credit of some sort. Uh, Catwoman, Penguin, and Riddler are also all confirmed for the Batman in 2022. So, yeah. Oh my God, that's right. Riddler's played by Paul Dano, Catwoman by freaking um Zoe Kravitz. Uh, Zoe Kravitz, and then uh, it's Colin Farrell is playing Penguin. Yeah, the Joker. I mean, I mean, sorry, the Penguin. Yeah, Cobblepot. My God, and that are they? Did they bring in Cameron Mahoney from from um Gotham to be who's going to be this new Joker in Titans? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if they're. I think if I had to guess, they're going to go as far as they can without ever showing this Joker. They did it in season one. I want to say they had they had a Joker sighting in season one when uh, Trigon had melded all their minds. Remember, Joker beats up uh, Batman, kills him seemingly. Oh no, Batman kills Joker, throws him off a a something, a building, and he lands on a cop car, and we only see his body. So I'm thinking they're going to go as far as they can with the character without ever actually having to show him. Um, all four of those characters are now being re-brought back in yeah. some way. Yeah, the Penguin and um, Joker are tied for the most appearances on this show. 
and Penguin will actually go ahead and have a cameo on an episode of The Monkees. So that's funny. Oh my but, God. Uh, it when they people talk about that laugh when people talk about that it turns out that that laugh was created because Burgess Meredith hated cigarette smoke, but they demanded that this character <laughs> smoke always keep this cane in his mouth, uh, smoking cigarettes, and so whenever things would get to thing, he would actually like caught quack. <laughs> Yeah. Get the hell out of here. Is that he was, not a lab that's him coughing at the, the, the smoke? Yeah, I think. And then he just would make the sound and then they just tied it all together. So now he just does it. But yeah. Yeah, you look and you see billows of this cigarette smoke in his mouth. And you can think if he doesn't smoke cigarettes or like to smoke cigarettes, all of this got to be very weird and uncomfortable for him. So I thought that was that was funny. Uh, Alan Napier plays uh, Alfred Pennyworth in this. Another fun fact: Alfred was actually dead at the in the comics at the time. Uh, they had killed him, <laughs> but it, the popularity oh, of like, yeah that much of a yeah the popularity of the of uh, the character would see him end up returning uh, in late 1996 or 1966 again. Killed off and brought back. Like I think every single character in in comics history. Has been killed at one point and brought back. Got to make a dollar. Got to make a buck. It's also been said that Alan Napier's name was the inspiration for Jack Napier's Joker in 1989. So there's another little fun oh, fact there. Uh, the, I can see that my head went when I heard Alan Napier. Yeah. Neil Hamilton played Commissioner Gordon and played the character in all 120 episodes of Batman. And the last little bat fact, and it's a sad bat fact, is with the death of Adam West on June 9th of 2017, just four years ago, Burt Ward is now the only surviving main Batman cast member. Yeah. He was in Crisis on Earth back in December of 2019, so that's kind of sad that... Oh, yeah, he was. He, they did they did have him. He said, holy something, ba- holy red skies or something, Batman. <laughs> yeah. He was standing in the middle of the street, and all of a sudden, just something passes right by him, and you see big old, big old Burt Ward. Yeah. Burt Jervis. Burt Jervis. Are you ready to uh, get into this madness of a plot? Let's get into this madness of sorts. All right, so... First of all, we get the, the credit sequence in the beginning was very long. And it was it was like dedicated to all like the lovers and the dreamers or something like that. Like, I don't know what that was about. Like every color, different spotlight and stuff like that. That was pretty cool. Very stylistic. Um, but when a yacht with a scientific invention aboard is in danger, billionaire Bruce Wayne and his ward Dick Grayson don their crime fighting disguises and get on the case as Batman and Robin, which is uh, my, my favorite part of this is the instant change lever that they use to uh, turn into Batman and Robin. I, one of the funniest, like kids would never, would never blink an eye at that. You flip it and it gives you your costume, but adults are like, how, how does any of this work? It's really, really funny. I'm a fan of the, of the bust being the entrance to the bat cave. Yes. And how good, like how happy they are to run to the bust, press the button, run to the, the book cave, uh, book, uh, book case. With, with incredible speed and, and agility. <laughs> Yep. Um, Our heroes change into. They they use the Batmobile to retrieve the Batcopter. I thought that was a little weird that they had people like set up the Batcopter for them, like turn it on and move it to the airstrip. 
Like, how, how does Batman have air traffic controllers? <laughs> yeah, they were like just ready to get it ready for him. I thought that was a little weird. Um, but yeah, the whole thing is we're gonna drive to the Batcopter, then use the Batcopter to find this yacht that seemingly is going to be in trouble. So they fly through the Batcopter, they get close to the yacht, but suddenly it just disappears. And so they're puzzled. After fending off a shark attack with his bare hands, <laughs> which we should probably talk about, that was the moment that I first just started to bust out laughing. Seeing Adam West seriously punch a shark in the face <laughs> repeatedly. How bad that shark dummy was. And then the shark falls into the ocean and explodes. <laughs> None of this makes sense. It reminded me of, of the, you were talking about Dark Place earlier. It reminds me of that, like when he just jumps and the ambulance explodes. Like it doesn't oh, yeah. really matter. It just looks cool. With shotguns. Yeah. This is also where you get the inf- that, that very famous joke of the shark repellent that I think has been parodied in oh, everything at this point. Well, there is not one instance where that shark repellent hasn't been brought up. Because like, it's... It's the height of absurd Batman gadgets. Like, why would you always have that on you? I mean, seemingly it's, it's useful, like in this but moment. Called oceanic repellent. It's oceanic repellent. That was the name of it. They go and they have like a whole, whole, yeah, country, like a bunch of ocean repellent. Yep. And he just sprays it in the shark's face. And then it, and it, it, this is not even the only exploding water animal in this film. We'll get to that later. An off, an off camera murder of a, uh, of a porpoise if you will but um yeah they they get they get away from the shark and the world's greatest detective and his boy wonder hold a press conference denying the disappearing yacht and the exploding shark so they don't worry the public um once the dynamic duo is alone with commissioner gordon they deduce that it was all a plot by the united underworld to lure batman into some sort of trap while batman doesn't know why he suspects that the ship's Commodore, Commodore Sch- Schmidtlap, I kept thinking of Schmitty's, <laughs> Commodore Schmidt, Commodore Schmidtlap is in trouble. And if he is indeed being targeted by the underground, he's being targeted by the Penguin, Joker, Riddler, and Catwoman. Speaking of which, Penguin, Joker, Riddler meet Catwoman and discuss the next level of their plan. And it is revealed that they're holding Commodore Schmidt lap hostage without him knowing by pretending he's still on a vessel at sea, which was like, that's gotta be the dumbest guy in the world. Right. They just have like a, oh, he was, he a window. Was so head in the clouds. He's just like, Hmm. Smelling the ocean, just smelling the ocean. Man's they, head was so in the clouds. They had to keep giving him tea. And every time he would go, uh, Joker would have to give him the tea. And then he'd be like, why you look sick. Are you getting enough sunlight? And it's like, Oh, I'm just down here working all day. <laughs> It's like terrible, but no one's questioning anything. Um, without him, with him out of the way, they had their hands on his invention, a dehydrator that can turn humans into dust. Um, this was all done incredibly artistically, Dan. I don't know if you noticed, but like scenes shot with these criminals, you know, were filmed at a Dutch angle and it was in. I knew, I knew you were going to bring it up. I knew because I was trying to ignore it. I was trying to ignore it. <laughs> it was intentional, though, Dan, because it was meant to show that the four villains were crooked. You understand? It's nuance. Because they were on a boat, so there was. Oh, no I mean, that works as well too. But yeah, nuance. You know. So we have our villains. We have our hero. We have our evil plot. Our evil plan. Um, it's all coming together. Uh, in the Batcave, and using bleeding edge technology, Batman and Robin learn that the yacht was really a holographic projection coming from a buoy. By bleeding edge technology, it was basically like a big magnifying glass <laughs> that Batman 
<laughs> but it's like, yeah, I think that's what that he's like. Uh, it couldn't have moved fast it unless was it wasn't really super there. fine bat grade. My man had bat 4K in the 60s. What is it? Uh, oh my god, that what, what's that trope of select and, and expand or whatever? Oh, oh, a uh, zoom and enhance, zoom and enhance. I said select and expand. That's the uh, off brand version, but yeah, it's like zoom and enhance, select and expand. I'm gonna start using that. Yep, it's- select and expand cliche. <laughs> Uh, using the bat boat, they head to the site where they saw this projection coming from and are targeted instantly by the United Underworld who are in a penguin-shaped sub near them. Turns out the bat boat was built especially for the film by the Gastron Boat Company. In exchange for their cooperation, the producers agreed to hold the film's world premiere in Austin, Texas, which is where Gastron has its headquarters. (laughs) A lot of people shaking hands and making deals in this film. So by the politics for a Batman film. By the way, when I was taking notes for this, I realized that they got their money's worth out of all the money they put into all these vehicles. Each one of these vehicles has like a 20 minute gl- gl- glamour shot of it, like either going through the air or going through the ocean. And these are all practical. So I could see why, like all this stuff was dangerous and real. Um, but like, especially when they're in the boat, they're just like glamour shots of it going down while music is playing in the background. They're not doing anything. They're no one saying anything. It's just like, look at this. Cool. was also with the Batcopter. Yeah, they're all the vehicles flying and you get the all, all the vehicles. Um, I felt like they really got their money's worth. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, they the villains end up using magnets to keep the dynamic duo stuck on the buoy and they try to shoot them with torpedoes. Again, this would have been fairly grim. You know, <laughs> given the circumstances. So everything about this movie is literally like, oh my God, this is kind of dark. These guys yeah. have, a, have a device to turn people into dust. They get yeah. so dehydrated that they literally just fold decompose. within themselves. Yeah, they just decompose from dehydration. That's kind of, that's a real Joker-esque, Penguin-esque fucked up plan. Yeah, yeah. Um, so instead, they end up using um, a radio detonator to destroy two of the missiles. And then there's a third missile coming towards them. It explodes. The villains go to look at the buoy. The heroes are not there. The heroes are instead, I think, back in the bat boat or something. And Robin says something along the lines of like, you know, gee, Batman, I'm so glad that that third one didn't hit us. And he's like, yeah, uh, good thing that that purpose, porpoise uh, sacrificed himself <laughs> for it. <laughs> so seemingly some sort of dolphin creature was killed <laughs> in sacrifice to save Batman. One might say... One might say he was given a poipus. I dig it. I can dig that. That's very fitting for this film here. <laughs> but I guess he found his poipus. But yeah, he, that he's very serious. Like, good thing he saved our lives, and you know his his sacrifice would not go, you know, unnoticed. <laughs> I'm gonna get a tattoo of that dolphin on my arm just to commemorate his memory. They'd be gone, bro, if it wasn't for that dolphin. They'd be gone. It's like later on where. Uh, matter of fact, this happens two other times when it comes to explosions. At one point, there's seemingly no nowhere for an explosion to happen, and then it just happens off screen, and we're told that Batman has hidden behind some iron rods, so everything's okay. And then they have a crash; their helicopter crashes, but it lands in a like foam and rubber convention, wholesale convention of all places, and it's always like. Good thing, Robin, that this, you know, that happens that matter of fact, the birth of plot armor. No, but it, 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 I think it's in that helicopter scene that 
uh, Adam West is like, the chances of this happening would anger even the best gambler <laughs> or something. Basically, like, this is a do sex machina. I know it. It sounds ridiculous the odds of this happening, but it just did. So what are we going to do about it? Really, really funny stuff. Um, it was around here that I started to worry about Burt Ward because those that outfit doesn't look comfortable. Like he's always had to push around, push around the the cape and um, his little pixie. Boots. My concern is how short the shorts are. Now we are men with um uh, male genitalia, That's true. and I know my man was chafing. There's another conspiracy that some you know uh, Marshall Langmans out there in the world did try to call in and uh you know talk about this talk about the bat bulge if you will and um how we can reduce it and other rumors go so far as to say that the actors were given pills to minimize distractions uh uh when it when it all came down to that you're not you're not giving me pills that's gonna kill my erection it's it's all on uh unsubstantiated or maybe it's in one of their autobiographies but i thought like wow this is kind of sort of kind of ridiculous that's sort of kind of illegal. At least kind it of sounds illegal. illegal. That's, they, that's like telling a woman she has to tape her tits because they're too big and the character needs to be flat chest. I mean, they like, could have they could have got ahead of all this and they could have been the first ones to give him the green tights, like how uh, you know Tim Drake would eventually end up wearing tights. But you know, to each his own. Uh, so after that, after that beautiful sacrifice, we're at the docks and Batman discovers that Penguin, under the alias of P N Gwyn. Gwyn. Oh yes. P N Gwyn acquired the sub uh, the submarine from a Navy surplus admiral. Are you trying to tell me that you gave a man named P N Gwyn a surplus bomb without knowing his address? Or <laughs> yeah, and supposedly that was all like Cold War commentary, like how after a while the we were both had this surplus of. Uh, weapons that we're never going to use. It was all for intimidation, and people started to try to make money off of it. No, that's that's the um, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Cold War was in the eighties with Russia. Oh, but it's the same. It's the same uh, concept. It's the same propaganda, same type of commentary on it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just like this idea of just frivolously giving away weapons for money. Like that's kind of funny because if I'm not mistaken, sixty-one is when Kennedy gets elected. So 62 would be his inauguration. 63 was the Bay of Pigs and, and the slaughtering on Miami shores from Cuba. Yes. Where he basically sent soldiers to Miami, to Miami and Cuba was waiting for us. and just so, According according to Wikipedia, uh, the start date of the Cold War is 1967. And one of the event. Yeah. One of the events. It ended in 1991. Uh, one That's, of the. Ev- OK, OK. One of the events supposedly that has to do with it is the Berlin crisis of 1961, which would have just been a half a decade before this film. Um, so, yeah, they, 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 there's some ties to just like the idea that they would be doing this parody so and a, so, commentary. So America was at a war for 40 years. Jesus. Yeah, that's why it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the idea that they would do this parody and then decide to do like inept uh, social commentary feels kind of funny. But, you know, um, P.N. Gwine. Riddler shoots a missile into the sky from submarines, which reveals skywriting and its riddles. 
Again, I don't know why. Do you why. figure them out? Because I never figured it out. No, I don't think you're meant to figure them out. Even when they figure them out later, I'm like, those are not answers that normal men would get to. That I don't know how you your logic yeah. got there, but to each his own. Uh, and speaking of which, nobody is, honestly, nobody's better than um, Val Kilmore at figuring out riddles. Yeah, Kilmore's no slouch when it comes down to the riddles. Uh, would now, I guess, uh, the controversial question: Where does Adam West Batman fit in your lexicon of film Batman? Now, if I had to be, if I had to be real, real honest. I think this might be in my. I'll put him in my top three, honestly. That's both. I think. That- I think this is one of my favorite Batman because if I was to break down, let's use the Socratic method for a second. One, he brings an iconicism to that character. Totally. No matter what, no matter what our idea and opinion on Adam West's take of that Batman, at the end of the day, you know Adam West was Batman. Yeah. You, you, everybody knows who Adam West is Batman. They know the mannerisms and the vocal patterns of how he talked. And I think he gave the character a, quite a bit of respect. Yeah. Because he, it's not like he came out here, you know, literally making fun of everything. Nobody made fun of anything that had to do with Batman so much as they made it more palatable for family audiences. Yeah. So you still get the Cape Crusader fighting crime against, you know, terrible villains. You still get the very smart, capable detective skills. He's still a very much of a philanthropist playboy when he's dressed as Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Like he, he gave he gave this character very much the respect that not only does it deserve, but it needed during the time of comic code authority. Yeah, I would even go so far as to say like one of my favorite versions of Batman is Lego Batman. And that's another that's another Batman property that took a lot of uh you know made a lot of jokes about the mythos, but it, it came from a place of love. It came from a place of we love this property so much that we can still acknowledge how uh, absurd some of the elements of this mythos are. And I think this is definitely what that is doing there. So back at commissioner Gordon's office, Batman, Robin and commissioner Gordon and chief O'Hara solved the riddles uh, in a very weird way. Like I said, none of the answers would have been answers. Any of us would have guessed, but here we are. Um, They're able to officially confirm Catwoman's involvement with penguin Joker and Riddler. And they realize that they're plotting world domination of some sort. So they go to the Batcave. Uh, meanwhile, the villains decide to have Catwoman disguised as Miss Kitka to lure millionaire playboy, no, millionaire genius playboy philanthropist to Bruce Wayne uh, back to her apartment where they can kidnap them both and then use them as bait for Batman to come and rescue them. Once Batman would arrive, he would then fall prey to a death trap consisting of Joker's Jack in the Box and one of Penguin's exploding octopi. These guys were all about branding, bro. They're all about making sure, especially Penguin. When they kidnapped Bruce Wayne, they were literally flying off on uh, umbrellas. Yeah, yeah. I like to see. I like seeing um, him light his cigar or cigarette with with the flame umbrella. That was pretty cool. Even when they're at the in their headquarters, they have like shelves with just their like accoutrements, all their little gadgets and stuff. And it's very penguin themed, Joker themed, Catwoman themed and Riddler themed. So I thought that was funny, too. Uh, but Miss Kitka in visits Bruce Wayne at Wayne Manor, where she confronts him with riddles that were left at her penthouse. She figures that the Riddler might have been behind it and that he might be after her now that she has stumbled upon his master plan. 
Bruce and Keka dismissed the riddles and set up a date for the upcoming evening. Um, what I like is that, yeah, like I still think that Adam West is good at being charming, even in that ridiculous outfit. Um, Lee Merriweather is kind of a hottie, so it totally works with her. Like that different Russian outfit was doing it for me. Da, darling, da, da. <laughs> That's all they did back in the day. <laughs> da, that's be Bruce Wayne. And very much like a Bond girl kind of kind of thing. Like I said, they're really trying to get this as close to Bond without being Bond as they can. Which, which it's it's funny watching this movie. There's the way my brain works. You know how my rabbit holes work and how my brain goes. There's no way that this movie wasn't taken as inspiration for a lot of parody comedies that we've gotten, especially in throughout the '90s and early 2000s. I mean, this movie. There's so much of Austin Powers that reminds me of this. Yeah, I actually think it's it's like a like a Russian nesting doll of sorts where you have. Um, you have the James Bond and then you have this inside, like kind of making a parody of James Bond and how ridiculous all that stuff can be. And then um, you have Batman. We have like Batman making fun of James Bond. And then inside of that, there is like Austin Powers making fun of all of it. If you will, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> like they're, they're all aping off each other in a weird way. They say the 60s were about the three Bs, Beatles, Bond, and Batman. That, that it was, it, that's what made the most money. That's what people were watching. That's what people were listening to. And for Batman to be up there with, the, with those two, look how big Bond is. I mean, look how big Batman is in general now. But yeah, like um, definitely high status. So yeah, they go to, oh yeah, Bruce meets up with Robin in the Batcave as Batman, and they solve riddles left at Miss Kitka's house, proving that she is indeed in danger. However, it's all a trick arranged by the villains. Bruce and Kitka go out on a date later that evening, and Alfred and Robin keep close watch from the Batmobile via the micro TV bat scanner. <laughs> I wonder if like sharper image. Yeah, I wonder if sharper image sell, sell some of these things. Did you have a favorite bat gadget? Um my favorite bat gadget, I guess the one to make fun of the most is the super fine bat grain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's because that just caught me out of nowhere. It was when they were doing the, when they were discovering the hologram, you just literally, you get this panning shot of the bat cave and you just see this TV with a sign that says super fine bat grain. I'm like, bro, this man had 4k and 66. What is going on? And all these items are labeled, right? Out. They're all labeled like clearly. Like there's all like placards. Everything. Bat hook, bat toilet paper, bat toothbrush. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess my favorite would be the shark repellent because it's just the most iconic of Batman's gadgets to where I think that they've made fun of it. Like actually Batman products. I yeah. think they've made fun of it in the Batman world itself. I'm almost certain they do it in Lego Batman. But what's interesting. No, that's, that was where my brain goes to the most. Like I could have sworn that they used that in Lego Batman or he's used it in some kind of animation against King Shark that like knocks him out or something. Isn't it funny though, right? That it seemed and deemed outwardly ridiculous. This bat uh, shark repellent, even the bat grain or what you're talking about from before the bat hook the bat scanner all this stuff ridiculous but seemingly all not worse than the bat credit card isn't that weird nothing is worse <laughs> than the bat credit card 
nothing's worse than rape my childhood, will you? Like nothing's worse than that. Was, yeah, it's undefeated. Uh, because how do you how does Batman <laughs> open up a bank account? You need a social security number. You need to sign W fours. None of it you, makes you, sense. Like, like you can't just walk into Chase or or J P Morgan with a sack full of cash dressed as Batman. Like I want to open up an account. Yeah, and it was Visa. It was a Visa Mastercard. They don't just give like, those like, out willy nilly. You needed proof of income, right? Like. You need to go proof of address. How do you get a bad credit card? Who did you buy your own bank? Right. Like that. None of it makes any sense. It all has to get traced back somewhere. Um, and even though that doesn't make sense, what does make sense is that Robert comes up with kind of a cool plan. He says he's going to flash the bat signal uh, so that it can make it seem like him and Batman are running towards crime, hoping to then set up the situation where these villains kidnap, you know, Katya and, and, uh, or, Kitka and Katya. Uh, Kitka and uh, Bruce. Like, that's a bit of a smart plan. Robin seems to kind of have it his head on straight. What do you think of some of Robin's plans in this film? Well, if I was being very honest, Robin, Robin has always been a capable character. That they, I don't think they've ever wrote me Robin to really be stupid. Yeah. Maybe a little stubborn. Yeah, maybe a little stubborn, a little headstrong, you know. But they've never wrote Robin to be fully stupid. Right, right. So seeing Burt Ward as the first live action Robin actually being capable, figuring out clues, deducing a crime. I loved this interpretation. This might be my favorite Robin live action. I mean, Brandon Thwaite gets me. Like, I love Brandon Thwaite. But damn, was Burt Ward really giving me the feel, like, if anybody was giving me more so feels of the comics of that ever, it was Burt Ward as, as Robin. That really felt like a comic book come to life. Yeah. And like, even when you say like all this stuff with Brendan Thwaites, like we don't even really get to see him and his, uh, bat, you know, him and Batman interact all that much. So um, this is, you're definitely getting the Cape Crusader and the Boy Wonder together, the dynamic duo in this. And to be honest, they this iteration of Batman and Robin is kind of what, uh, popularize the term dynamic duo so um yeah i totally dig this robin um back at miss kitka's apartment after the date the two start to get romantically involved and robert honors bruce's privacy by turning off the bat monitor <laughs> you see like come on he, he ain't trying to cat block so he uh yeah he turns off the monitor so he don't have to see their every move um and while it switched off Penguin, Joker, Riddler, and their pirate henchmen. Don't know why they need pirate henchmen. Bluebeard, Morgan, and Quench. Ambush and kidnap. I don't know. Ambush and kidnap Bruce and Kitka. Uh, and then Batman. Uh, Robin switches back on the Bat Monitor, but it's too late. Once they're in their headquarters, Bruce convinces the villains to untie him, and he takes them down hand to hand. I was very surprised by that, and that was also like very vicious that fight scene where it's just bruce oh that was a big fight scene as regular bruce like they're breaking furniture and they're they're looking like they're taking their own pratfalls i guess it's just old time hollywood like it all looked really really cool there wasn't a lot of cuts um and stuff uh sometimes they didn't connect but it didn't really matter these guys were really throwing themselves against the wall and stuff and the best was every time the, a, a punch was thrown you hear the yeah 
He um yeah, he can't find Kitka because Kitka's Catwoman. He doesn't know this. He can't find her, but he escapes anyway and swims. Greatest line delivery in the history of anything. That I've never I have never cracked up more at hearing Batman say, I swear I'll kill you. I'll kill you all. I'll I'll tell you you limb from limb. (laughs) Like, oh my god, Bruce, getting out of control. Because it's like I said, like a lot of this stuff is the blueprint. Because that just reminds me of Bruce Wayne in the Batman '89, going, yeah. "Come on, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts!" Right, like, right. Um, and that's the thing. That's another instance of them having based, seemingly Batman dead to rights, but they don't know he's Batman. So Bruce has to do something to get out of the situation and then return back as Batman. And that's literally what he does. He escapes and swims all the way to Commissioner Gordon's. Uh, where Robin is is waiting, and then they go home, put their clothes back on or their costumes back on, and go back to the villain's lair because now they're gonna go as the heroes. Um, but knowing the authorities are on their way, Penguin creates a plan to trick them. When Batman and Robin re- arrive at the lair, they notice a bomb is left for them. Batman does his best to dispose of the device, but everywhere he turns, there's innocent bystanders, including like a family of ducks, a marching band, some nuns children uh so i hilarious like the bomb he's doing this for like five minutes like the wick on this bomb is taking forever for it to blow up and that's when you get the iconic line some days you just can't get rid of a bomb yep yep one of the greatest lines ever um and and ironically just can't get rid of a bomb ironically spoken but he manages to toss the bomb off screen and robin thinks that he's dead but he just pops up he's like 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 anything that is happens off screen he enters the frame and goes luckily you know <laughs> so now he's gonna explain it for us in exposition luckily there were some iron bars here and that's what what shielded me from the from the explosion robin and again no one questions it and i have to just once again bring up the fact that this stuff is the blueprint because this that's the second time that a ridiculous bomb scene has happened in in batman lore with robin being able to pick up like a two ton mega warhead and like oh yeah push it into the river outside of the, the uh, circus yeah i remember that now. yeah yeah because he was gonna blow up the whole uh circus he was gonna blow up the circus and he lit all four of the entire grayson family literally picks up this giant nuclear warhead on a swinging cable meant for humans levitate how did they get the bomb really oh they, they, they did show them getting the bomb in there too though yeah but yeah like they just they just keep running into this situation with who's manufacturing these big explosions. Um, suddenly penguin shows up in disguise and a disguise that doesn't really fool anyone, including Batman and Robin, which is very odd. Cause in the, as soon as he shows up, he's like, wah, 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 I'm Commodore Snitlap. And they're like, no, you're not. You're the penguin. He's like, no, I'm, I'm the Commodore. And they're like, we'll see. But first we're going to take you to our super secret, uh, bat cave to find out whether or not you are the penguin. I'm like, what is going on here? Many people in his bat cave. Yeah, he lets he he does he gains access to the bat cave, and he's like, I just need to get a drink of water, so I'm just gonna step over here. And while he's doing this, Batman's still like, Penguin, we know it's you, so don't try anything tricky. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And as he's saying all this, he's rehydrating his men um in the background and all of a sudden five goons just pop up rehydrated seemingly he dehydrated them at one point he called them guinea pigs earlier on we saw uh, one of the best parts of this film is that each villain had like a different plan 
Like each villain yeah. was coming at this from a different angle. They were all wrong. They all seemingly didn't work. But uh, after every villain would fail, another villain would go, well, we're going to try my plan. And this is Penguin's plan. Uh, you know, you put the uh, goons in there, dehydrated, you rehydrate them. They basically kill them. <laughs> and then you have no, you don't have to worry about them uh, moving forward. The issue was, unbeknownst to him, he rehydrates them with hard water that are is used to deal with some of the Batmobile's uh, atomic waste. And it Still causes no hard water and soft water is it, it this co- movie's just not helping me. <laughs> it causes these, these human beings molecules to be so unstable that after one hit, they are reduced to antimatter. Oh, that sounds like PCP. Are they dead? These, they're dead, I, right? These, they yeah, cease to exist. Yeah. No, the reason why they would be dead is because in science, no matter what, you can't destroy matter. Right. Like, like it's, it's, it, particles still count as matter. Like, like your most minute cells in your body is still matter. You can't actually destroy matter. Right. So when you're antimatter, yeah, you cease to literally exist. You I, are no longer in this realm of existence. I actually popped because I was like, oh, like antimatter is a callback of sorts. Right. Like <laughs> antimatter is, you know, antimatter. Well, at this time, we didn't we wouldn't deal with the crisis on infinite earths. Ultimately, to give us the anti-monitor, antimatter. This was the, the, that's what I'm saying. This was like the birth of the of the anti-life equation. Antimatter. Uh, Batman and Robin put the Commodore in the Batmobile. Do, at this point, they they think it, they still know it's Penguin, but they're playing around with the Commodore. Um, a lot of at this point of the film and moving forward, yeah, everybody's just getting gassed in this. Everybody's getting gassed up. Maybe it was a sign of the times. I don't know. I think, yeah, it's some probably some like James Bond-ish villain tech always gassing people. But Penguin basically gasses out the men to steal the uh Batmobile. But lo and behold, all of this was just a plan by Batman to track the Batmobile, knowing that Penguin was gonna bring it back to the hideout. So they used a bat cycle even disengaging the go-kart portion of it uh, to get to the Batcopter. Um, Riddler ends up firing one of his skyrocketing missile riddle things, and it hits the Batcopter, causing it to crash. Luckily, Batman and Robin survive because the copter lands on a foam rubber convention, of all things, wholesale. Wholesale. Which I love. We we just have to talk about that for a moment again, because I know... The, the fans are going to get really annoying with me because all I do is just I find I see this movie and I find elements that were in other either Batman products or products that were inspired that this stuff was inspired by. Mm-hmm. This is the second time in a Batman and Riddler esque movie that the Riddler has shot down Batman. Yeah. Yeah. And he always getting shot down because he gets shot down in Batman 89 as well by uh, Joker with that big what big gun or whatever. No, that's right. That's right. With the big with the big gun, he shoots him down. Mm-hmm. I guess the uh, bat planes and bat copters are not really all that. Uh, I guess they're pretty formidable if you really think of it. They they end up figuring out the riddles, and instead of like taking another vehicle, Batman says that they should run on foot because they're in top peak physical fitness or whatever, which was also pretty hilarious. Uh, we find out that the villain's plan is to use Schmidt Lab's invention to dehydrate the United World's Security Council members. And then with those world leaders gone, they would use the dehydrator to hold the entire world for ransom. Uh, I think a billion dollars per head of the um, World Security Council. 
you know, they didn't really think that plan through because just because you're getting rid of the world, the leaders doesn't mean you're getting rid of our military. Right. But I guess they assumed that no one would be able to call upon the military with the leaders gone. That's weird because the secretary of defense is not a world leader, but he still is in charge of the military. Right. We also get some like vague allusions to uh, is it Reagan in this Nixon? One of those it two. can't be. If, if this is 66, then it would be Lyndon Johnson. Because um, with the two dogs, I thought that was uh, maybe maybe it is Lyndon Johnson. Well, um, I think I think um, uh, Kennedy was because Eisenhower was 53 to 61, and Kennedy was only 61 to 63, mm-hmm. and his vice president had to take over after he was shot at the Grassy Knolls. So yeah, 66 would be Lyndon B. Johnson. Yeah, it is. Uh, to 69. Yeah, so maybe to Lyndon B. Johnson, they did some parodying, I guess, of um, they they end up arriving too late. The security council is already dehydrated and turned into piles of dust, uh, which were then collected. The villains escape upon gassing again the building's guards and fleeing in their submarine, but not before. Um, oh, but, but while, while the villains are while the heroes are running, which leads me to this moment where they're running to go stop these villains. Robin says, Holy marathon. I'm getting a stitch, Batman. And Batman says, of all things, let's hope that it's a stitch in time, Robin, that saves nine, the nine members of the United World Security Council. Very weird. Hilarious, though. Uh, but, but that's also weird. one of, I, I, once again, tell me that this doesn't remind you of um, the Dean Lerner scene when he's riding on the bike, the way, the way Dean Lerner is riding on the bike. With the oh, yeah. Tell me that's not the, the Batman and Robin running scene. There's a lot of that. They'll show the boat and in the actual ocean, and then they'll show them obviously in front of a like a screen and stuff. That happens a lot with the with all the vehicles, all the bat vehicles in this. Um, our heroes follow the sub in their bat boat, and to avoid torpedoes and missiles, they jam the signals and send out some bat charges. Robin uses a sonic charge weapon to disable Penguin's submarine and forces it to surface. That's when we get a third act worthy fist fight with everybody just fighting on this ship. Uh, notable moments, including Batman saving a cat, a sword fight between Batman and Penguin, Robin punching the Joker while they're both swimming around and uh, Catwoman pushing Batman into the water. Um, although our dynamic duo come out on top, Batman is heartbroken to find out that his true love, his true love, he just met this woman a couple of days ago. His true love, Miss Kitka, is actually Catwoman. He finds this out because Miss Kitka slash Catwoman trips and falls down, and literally her mask falls off while oh she's trying God, to escape. Oh my God, of course they did that. Of course they did that angle. So, so he realizes that he's been duped and he sheds a single tear, but he still makes Robin cuff her before calling in the Coast Guard. The real Commodore Schmidt-Lap shows up and he accidentally breaks the vials containing all of the powdered council members and then, you know, sneezes on them, mixing and shattering, mixing and scattering all the dust all together. So now what the hell are we going to do? What we're going to do is we're going to talk about the fact that that this dumb Commodore Schmidt-Lap just literally just dusted all of the yeah. world leaders. Yeah. Th- Thanos They're style. gone. They're never coming back. That's it. It's an antimatter gun it's like seemingly but back at the back cage cave using an elaborate filter batman and robin are able to separate all of that mixed dust and then robin requests to leave the dust the way it is though so they're like why why even separate it leave it the way it is this way all the races will mix and then the world will be a better place 
You know, if we can pick and choose what parts of the human we keep, who, what parts we who don't. Who said that? You showed me an interview of a, a there was a Ted Nugent or, or some oh, or someone from Rush. You showed me an interview of a guy that literally said the world would be a better place if we were all just mixed. Oh, uh, babies. It was um, Lem, Lemmy from Motorhead. Lemmy, Lemmy from Motorhead just wanted the world to be coffee babies. We should all be coffee babies. But yeah, Dick Grayson's like, if we have a chance now, we can actually mix up all this stuff and there'll be obviously less overt racism. So because Dick Grayson ends racism. No, because his request is denied. Batman says mortals shouldn't tamper in these matters. So they, they decide that they're not going to do that. So they keep them perfectly separated as is and they rehydrate them. But funnily enough, they get the mixed race kind of thing anyway, because somehow, some way, when they're rehydrated, they're not speaking the language that they're from, from the country that they're from. Everyone's speaking a different language. So everyone's arguing in all these foreign languages and not the language that they know or that they speak. But Batman doesn't really care. He's like open and shut case. And he says that uh, they, he hopes that this this mixing of the minds would do more good than harm. That's what, <laughs> even though obviously people are not in the right in their right bodies or in their right minds. Um, and then he's like, "Let's let's leave inconspicuously," and by that he means climb out of the window and rappel down the side of the building. We see the all the countries of the United Nations rejoice because you know everyone's back to being rehydrated, but. They're kind of baffled because of everybody speaking different languages. As the world celebrates that success, Batman and Robin climb out of the window of the United World building into an uncertain future. And that is the end of Batman, the movie, 1966. Um, We can talk legacy. Like I said, again, both actors seemingly were typecasted after the fact. One of my favorite little inside jokes is that Adam West was cast in Batman, the animated series in the Grey Ghost storyline where the great ghost was a villain who was a former TV like star and couldn't get past this, the shadow of <laughs> that great ghost character that they created, which is pretty interesting. Um, like uh, they've, they've got sequels like return of the Cape crusaders uses uh, Adam West and Burt Ward's voice acting to reprise this dynamic duo. And some of the other villains are able to stop by as well. And I think they also did like a Two-Face movie not too long ago with some of these characters as well. But what's most interesting is people credit Batman 66 and its lightheartedness, the bright night, if you will, uh, to the reason as to why Batman went so edgy after the fact. Frank Miller ends up creating Dark Knight Returns, puts Batman in all black. That's when you start with the whole, there's 215 bones in the human body, and I know how to break every single one. You get that really surgical, wartime, militant soldier Batman uh, with the with the rifle and all that kind of stuff. You get that from Frank Miller's Dark Knight. Years later, Batman 89, completely black, black from head to toe, besides a yellow emblem and a yellow belt. Um, and the edginess that has come with Batman ever since is seemingly placed on the foot of this and its show. But look at Death in the Family. They literally killed off Robin. Yeah, Just all of this is Batman said in yeah. that area of mindset. All of this is said to be a response to comic readers hating this version of Batman. And I, I think, I don't, like I said, eventually, I, I think, but the thing is, I think now, like it, I, 10 years from now, we will end up appreciating Jared Leto's Joker. You understand? It's going to be like one of those kind of deals where 
we need some distance from it. And it, it can't be the most important thing going on in our lives right now. And at one point, you got to assume that some of these readers, Batman was the most important thing going on in their lives. So to have this version come out might have just pissed him off right off the, you know, right off no, the edge. I can understand where it would piss people off. Like even now to this day at our age in 2021, me, you, Yogi, Jarvis, Greg, we're, we're seeing characters that we have these emotional ties to from the comics that get duped in their theatrical debuts and their TV show debuts. Like look what's going on with Godspeed right now on Flash, you know, like exactly. so it's still it happens. But as someone that that has literally been thrusted upon into the beautiful world of Garth Marenghi's dark place. I look at this and I see genius. I see people that cared so much that they wanted it to be subtly campy. Like they, it's in your face campy, but they played it straight. That is a very important thing to know that they were on set, the director, the producer, everybody was on set saying, say this dialogue, like you mean it, like you believe it. Like in real life, a real person would say this. Yeah. And 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 as serious as you can, which makes it, like you said, even more comedic. Uh, and yeah, there is a level of intelligence there. I'm glad I saw it. I, I, I probably, so when I get I. bored, I'm going to start to sh- try to watch some of that series just to see some of the ridiculous oh, no. I think I'm gonna end up nature of it all. While. I'm just going to throw on an episode, like, you know, like I'll throw on something while I shower, like, cause it's, it's too good. It really, it, it's one of those films. It was, the, it's the, I, I start calling things now the Superman four effect. <laughs> I went into this movie knowing, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be shit. This is just going to be. Uh, the campiest of campy, like I know all the pop culture references, I know all of the criticism towards it, and I go in finding not only an actually intelligent, dark story, but it's also Cold War propaganda, very campy, and made from a level of passion. George Reeves, like, sorry, Christopher Reeves was passionate about Superman 4. Yeah. The same way these people are passionate about this show and movie. Yeah, like the cheesiness isn't enough to knock it down a grade. Because exactly. the cheesiness no, that, is an aesthetic that they're using. The they're using it. the cheesiness. Yeah. It's an aesthetic that they've chosen. It, they don't just happen to fall into cheesiness. All the cheesiness is written into the story. So, um, yeah, I think that totally works. Uh, and that, that you know, like we covered Loki last week and the week before then Black Widow. Now this. All fun things. All fun things. Thank you for the, enjoying the fun portion of the major issues podcast next week when we return we will be covering suicide squad uh the Jared Leto version the uh, the introduction of cinematic harley quinn and more and all of that um yeah we'll get to that but thank you guys for listening so much for this episode it was fun tackling this 1966 batman on the 55th anniversary this will come out on the 28th but the actual film came out on the 30th so just days away from this 51st 55th anniversary and i wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if so it's July 30th, 1966. Yes. Yeah. Nice. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if like all of a sudden you start seeing a bunch of different people covering this, uh, this film going back, talking about what they like and what they don't like. But again, I think it was ahead of its time. 100%. I'm calling it right now. Next week, caravan of garbage. Uh, it's going to end. It'll end up on the caravan of garbage next week. And if it ends up on caravan of garbage, everybody, I called it. 
I know my boys. I called them. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But the only way to see is to make sure that you're here every single week listening to the Major Issues podcast. We've come out every Wednesday, knock on uh, Vibranium. You know, uh, we have not missed a single week in 100, almost 190 weeks at this point. Almost 200 um, episodes consecutive. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening and sharing and uh, telling a friend. This is how we've been able to grow this podcast and how we were able to grow to a point of getting our own website, comicbookclick.com, which is where all of our merchandise uh, exists. All the merchandise designed by myself, all the articles written by me and other members of the click, including Dan, the comic man here. Um, we're having a lot of fun over there, just creating original content, whether it be articles, whether it be merchandise, or whether it be episodes of the Major Issues podcast. Every single episode is available at comicbookclick.com. So that's over 180 hours right there of content talking about all things comic books. So you guys can go right there. But let's say you guys already listen to podcasts. Maybe you're a big Joe Rogan fan and you don't want to get another podcast app. Luckily, we're available wherever podcasts are found. That's Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, the Apple Podcast app, TuneFind, YouTube, Spotify. We are everywhere. And we've started implementing a new bit of content where we are putting these full episodes up with some video uh, and visuals up on YouTube. So if you are doing laundry or, you know, getting doing something around the house and you just want to hear us in the background, you can go there to our YouTube channel and listen there. Main thing we want you guys to do is be able to come communicate with us. Tell us what you like and what you don't. We want to hear about defend Suicide Squad before next week. We'll read your take right here on air. Uh, and you can do so by going to facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, or you can use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We're also at Major Issues CBC on Twitter, sharing the dankest memes, podcast schedules, and comic book news uh, as we see it. As we see it, we print it, and um, we've been having some really, really cool engagement and traffic across all of our social media. All of, as you know, all those links are in the show notes, as well as the link to help us monetarily you can help us keep the lights on here by going to patreon.com slash cbc clubhouse and just giving us for as little you know as little as a dime a day 30 cents or three dollars a month you can help keep the lights on here keep us well fed it's getting harder and harder we'll read all this watch all this you know we're completely malnourished at this point so i think people just just you know help me out go to the go to the patreon like, like a dime a day can literally get me a piece of candy and that's just enough to Ooh, settle piece of my candy. stomach. Ooh, piece of candy. <laughs> uh, and uh, no, totally. And yeah, we, we thank you guys for all the support. If you guys can for, like I said, $3 a month, um, you know, we can be your subscription service, giving you exclusive content and uh, all things here at Combo Book Click. We've got some big things coming up and coming your way. So make sure that you are paying attention to all of our socials and the Major Issues podcast. Lastly, for completely free, you know what's free? Word of mouth is free. You telling other people about the Major Issues podcast is free. You telling people about, the, about our fun memes on our social media, all of that's free. Uh, and we would love for you to do that. Tell a friend to tell a friend, or why don't you rate and review us on iTunes? It's the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters and find out what you like and what you don't. Uh, if we get five stars, we'll be recommended to new listeners, which will grow our audience even bigger possibly grow our patrons even bigger our support even bigger and the headquarters even bigger uh which we don't ask for much just just like you you know what at this point don't even comment just like and subscribe you don't have to leave a comment i i know how people is, are with you know very nervous and very 
like, yeah. you know, off put it to try and email someone, reach out. Like, I know I get very scared when I want to reach out to YouTubers I like. So just leave that, leave that like, leave that subscribe. And, you know, we're all friends in this. We're all friends together. Totally. Totally. So yeah, even when you do, when you leave a review on iTunes, you don't got to put your name, your name, you can put whatever name you want. You don't even have to make an excuse as to why you gave us five stars. You just give us the stars and leave it be at that. You, who do you have to explain yourself to? Nobody. So don't, yeah, don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. But um, yeah, next week will be Suicide Squad. And after that, the Suicide Squad. And after that, I don't know, because we have to go back to the schedule and figure out oh, what yeah, we're going to do. What we're going to do for the fall of 2021. We got some big things coming. Stargirl, Titans, Doom Patrol, Umbrella Academy, Shang-Chi, uh, oh, Spider-Man, boy. Eternals, The Boys, all this stuff coming. Uh, and hopefully we'll be able to cover it right alongside you guys. Thank you so much. Like I said, like, share, and subscribe. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Get on us on all social media and help us on Patreon if you can. But my name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. I am Dan, the comic book man. And this has been our Batman 66 or Batman the movie recap and review. And remember, whether you call yourself the bright night or the dark night, or it's just been a long night, <laughs> whether you're a boy wonder or a uh, cat woman, the question is the same. Will your favorite podcasters return next week with new content? Will the Don still hate the Suicide Squad, even though it won an Oscar? Is there anything worse than Jared Leto's Joker? Find out next week, same click time, same click channel. And remember, you, yes, you are worthy, old chum.